Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Yeah, I know. It's tough to keep your chin up, isn't it? <laughs> no, that, that Jimmy Kimmel joke that we played yeah. on the show in which the audience, people in America have no concept the difference between their taxes going up or down or their refund going up or down is just disheartening. I mean, I, I, democracy won't work. No, no, it's doomed. It's doomed. Sooner you accept that, the sooner you can have a happy life. Well, let's prolong your suffering for just a moment or two by trying to make a little sense of the world with Lon He Chen. He is uh, David and Diane Steffi, research fellow at the Hoover Institution, director of domestic policy studies at Stanford, and, ladies and gentlemen, uh, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. We'll have a link so you can find that easily. I have a feeling that's really, really good. Lon He, how are you, sir? Hey guys, good morning. Happy uh, happy rainy Wednesday. Happy twenty two trillion dollar budget b- debt day <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, listen, why don't we start with how about how about four words? Okay. Green New Deal. Go. 
how, how long do we have? <laughs> Where would you like to start? I, you know, I, the, here's the thing. I tell people that they should just go and read the Green New Deal because the, there's all this uh, angst on the left. Oh, it's being mischaracterized. The, the conservatives are out to demonize this thing. So, you know, I just went and, and they said go and read it. So I did that. I went and read it. And what I discovered apparently is that we should not be flying from Hawaii to California anymore. We should all get in boats. And, and by the way, those boats can't give off, you know, can't have any carbon footprint. So I'm talking about canoes. So we have to canoe our way from Honolulu to San Francisco now. That is the vision of the Green New Deal because they don't want to have any airplanes anymore. And by the way, they don't want to have any cars, any, any regular gas. Uh, consuming cars. So everyone needs to have an electric vehicle. And oh, by the way, as if that weren't enough, we need Medicare for all, too. Well, here's here's so what this, here's what we're trying to figure out, and you're the perfect person to understand it because you've been in campaigns, you understand the politics of it all. Is this similar to Trump saying, I'm going to build a 30-foot wall and Mexico's going to pay for it? I mean, just an over-the-top outlandish promise to, to show everybody I care about this issue, knowing that it will fall short of that. Is that what AOC and others have done with the Green New Deal? Is that the politics of it? Because nobody, or do it's they an actually, absurdity. Or they don't actually believe they're going to pull this stuff off. I think there's some percentage of them who do, actually. I think, I think AOC and a few of her counterparts in the far left progressive wing of the Democratic Party actually think they have a shot at, at a good chunk of this. But, but for other Democrats, I mean, here's the thing about this. This has been embraced not just by the far left. There is a tendency amongst some in the mainstream media in particular to say this is actually not representative of the mainstream Democratic Party. Well, why is it then that pretty much every declared candidate for the presidency from the Democratic Party supports the Green New Deal? Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Susan Gillibrand. Why is it that they're all co-sponsoring this thing? So clearly it's got some traction. Clearly some of them believe it. But even if it's just a messaging tool, I think it's a very dangerous messaging tool because it allows us then to normalize some of this, to normalize socialism. And I just don't think we should do that. Yeah, the uh, the green parts of it are utterly fanciful. And I'm, I'm a guy, if we could eliminate uh, fossil fuels in the internal combustion engine tomorrow, I'd be in favor of it. Why the hell wouldn't I be? I mean, let's, let's uh, cut down pollution as much as we can. But it's utterly unrealistic. I mean, wildly unrealistic. The social reordering stuff of it is absolutely terrifying as it forcefully advocates... Uh, near complete control of the economy, near complete confiscation of, of uh, revenue and redistribution of it. It's communism. Well, house, wages, health care, education for everyone. Right. Yeah, and, and I mean, job guarantees, uh, you know, very, very strong support for unions in there, by the way, which, you know, I, it's probably a controversial topic, and there's nothing wrong with unions per se. It's just they're talking about making every workplace unionized. And, and some of this stuff, the reason why people have a difficult time with this is because, on the one hand, if the goal is to address climate change, then there are a set of policies that that suggests, and you understand why they want to promote, for example, alternative forms of energy. They want to get rid of nuclear. They want to get rid of coal. Okay, you can understand that, at least on space. But then there's this total almost non sequitur where they're talking about, as I said, health care for all, housing for everybody, job guarantees family and medical leave, paid vacations, full retirement security. And, and, you know, again, I think the challenge here is some of this actually sounds good to people. I think they sort of listen to that and say, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. 
And I think that's the siren song of, of socialism, quite frankly. Lonnie Chen is the director of domestic policy studies at Stanford's podcast is Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen. How do you like um, McConnell's idea of putting it up for a vote to get everybody to, to on the record voting for it? I, I think it's genius. You know, Mitch McConnell is whatever people think of him. He's a great tactician. and He understands the politics of this and forcing Democrats to go on the record with where they I mean, we know where all the Republicans are. They're not going to get a single Republican vote. That's for sure. But but looking and saying, where do you stand? Are you really in favor of this? And, and they it's, it's a text. It's a legislative text. It's not a binding statute or law in the same way that Dodd-Frank or Obamacare was. This is a little different. This is a sense of the Congress resolution. But it's going to force people to take a position on it. And I think that's actually really smart because then you can't have Cory Booker weaseling out and saying, oh, no, no actually, I, was, I wasn't really for it. I, you know, I just said I was for it, but I, but I didn't mean it. Did you say it was normalizing communism or normalizing socialism? Socialism. Socialism. How do you it, define socialism since you, since you teach this sort of stuff? Well, it, it, I think you guys alluded to it. It's, first of all, it's confiscatory and redistributive. It's the notion of taking wealth and redistributing it to equalize the distribution of wealth in a forcible manner via government and coercive control. It's about the government centrally planning redistribution. And, and, and beyond that, there, there are also elements of socialist policy in the form of, uh, of central economic command. So when you have sort of a, a central strategy that government puts together to dictate how certain parts of the economy behave, that is socialist as well. So it, there are many different dimensions to this, and obviously we can get into what the implications of it are. But fundamentally, it's about where the locus of control is. Is it with the people or is it with the government? Mm, that's good. Having sat through thousands of hours of this in college, is this going to be on the test? <laughs> <laughs> so so listen, uh, we are privileged to have people listening to the Armstrong and Getty show all over the country. And, um, and, and I frequently point out that the reason you want to pay attention to Cal Unicornia, the, the golden state, um, is that it is the, the leader, the, certainly the leader in America, of utterly unrealistic unicorn-riding fantasy government. I mean, for instance, they're pushing again to have children be allowed to vote in California, teenagers, because you can get teenagers to fall for virtually anything that makes them feel good and sounds good. You need to raise the voting age to 30. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm in favor of. And also... You get a scheme going like the bullet train, um, mm. which, you know, just the brief outlines uh, passed by an ill-advised uh, ballot measure. They said it would be $39 billion. If it were ever built, if it were ever completed 40 years from now, it would be two $300 billion. And I'll go to my grave saying that. And nobody would write it. And, and, and nobody would still want it. Um, but the changing of one governor to another... One man said, no, this is a bad idea. And after all of us, all of the citizens, all of the activists, uh, all of the court cases, all of our efforts to kill it, just a new governor says, no, it's off. And now it's off. What does that say about government in America, Lonnie? It scares the hell out of me. Well, this is a, a big challenge we have is that we see this listing from side to side depending on who's in power. And and by the way, there are some now who say, look, Donald Trump ought to use executive action to get all these things done. I completely disagree with that because this notion that what was good for the previous party is now good for us because we have the reins of power sets a horrible precedent. And, and it creates this, this policy change that goes from administration to administration. And we're talking about big, major projects. I mean, your point about the choo-choo train, about high-speed rail – I mean, 
this is a massive piece of government spending. And, and to be able to sort of just shut it off on a dime, given a change in administration, while I'm glad that they're shutting it off. Oh, heck yeah. I think suggests... I think it suggests just just a we're in a horrible place when it comes to policymaking. We don't believe in checks and balances. We don't believe in the proper roles of a legislature and a governor or a Congress and a president anymore. We want instantaneous change. We want someone to snap their fingers and make something happen. And and indeed, that's the system of policymaking we have. So I'm you know look, this train needs to go. The Merced and Bakersfield, California, are perfectly wonderful communities, but but those are the two terminal points of this train at this point in time. And and it's it's a ridiculous thing, and I'm glad it's going. Those of you who are into podcasts and the internet, inner what do they call it? The intellectual dark net or whatever it's called. Dark web. Yeah. You've got to check out Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen, his podcast. Uh, just just before we let you go, I do have one more question on the Green New Deal. Is this a blip? One of those stories that's just a blip week long, or is this a a big one? This seems like this is a big one to me. I think it's a big one. I think it also depends on where the dialogue goes. You know, if, if people on the left don't keep talking about it, then, then people on the right will certainly keep talking about it. But it, it, it won't have the same level of energy. Gotcha. My sense is that this is just where the energy is with the progressive left. The Green New Deal is their, uh, is their mantra, and they're going to talk about it. So it will be, uh, will be part of the conversation going forward. Well, and, and part of that, uh, that conversation in our chat about socialism, uh, I was going to ask, has there ever been any country that on its uh, that has had its momentum toward more collectivism go in the other direction realize hey we've gone too far this isn't working we need more free markets we need less infantilizing our citizens by taking care of their every need we need to go back uh, along the road we came from well i'll give you one example china uh you know for many many years obviously you had a a, a maoist socialist communist society and look it's still a communist country don't get me wrong but in the 1980s there was a leader named Deng Xiaoping who came along and opened up China and decided that what they needed was more markets free enterprise and the influence of the West and and sure enough what happened to China's economy it took off like a rocket ship you had massive increases in standards of living massive increases in economic growth and prosperity and and you had the creation of a middle class and, and I think the people, the thing that people are, are scared about in China now is the reversal of that, the turn back toward a Maoist status socialist, uh, a fundamentally socialist system. So China is a great example of what happens when you introduce capitalist elements and capitalist uh, of strictures into what had been a socialist society. You, you see economic growth and prosperity. Yeah, and generally when you're like Venezuela will soon, <laughs> and some of the Scandinavian countries in a more peaceful way have decided a lot of their schemes haven't worked and... They've re-embraced uh, more liberty, but uh, we'll see. Lonnie Chen is the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen, Director of Domestic Policy Studies uh, at Stanford University and a uh, research fellow at the Hoover Institution. Lonnie, always enlightening. Thanks a million. Hey, thanks, Chris. Good to talk. Check out his podcast, Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen. We want him to see the love and uh, and like coming on the show because we really like him. Don't say that out loud. It makes us sound needy. Yeah, well, we are needy. You're needy. Need good guests. I'm like strong and independent. I really like good guests better than the crappy guests. I'll name who the crappy guests are oh, coming up. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. 
jury in New York convicted Mexican drug lord El Chapo, and now he's facing life in prison. I'll have a joke about this after I'm 100% sure he's spending his life in prison. No I'll be the first one there. No kidding. Hey, I have some good El Chapo info. You want to hear it? First, this hot new <laughs> word. not. First, the hot new word you need to be throwing around. This is the yes. hot new term you need to be throwing around. Okay. Microscheduling. Uh. I'm, I'm microscheduling. Oh, you are too? You eat a lot of quinoa during your microscheduling? Yeah, microscheduling is the thing. I want to hurt you. It's the hot new is thing. Normal? <laughs> well, it's only the hot new thing amongst the highly productive. If you want to, if you're yeah. trying to make oh, oh, you don't well, microschedule because you're not productive yeah, like I am. Yeah. Underachievers exactly. with your macro scheduling. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Anyway, just to let you know, that's the hot new term. World just keeps getting more annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, are you flying from PDX to SFO with a stop at ADX? ADX is actually the uh, official designation for. Um, uh, federal prison something or other in Florence, Colorado. It's the Supermax, Jack. Oh, the uh, prison door sound effect would be really good. How handy is that, Michael? Uh, It's the Supermax, Jack. There it is. (laughs) It's beautiful. Is it different than Food Max? (laughs) Subtly different. (laughs) That's where you get prisons in bulk. So you get old uh, El Chapo there, who's uh, broken out of prison in Mexico, not once but twice. Uh, prison in Mexico. And so most uh, experts are saying, yeah, he's probably heading to the uh, the Supermax. Yes. Where they keep the Unabomber and John Wayne Gacy and Jesse James and Jack the Ripper. <laughs> All the biggest criminals. Billy the Kid, now is Billy the Old Man. John Wilkes Booth. What is Booth that? Olden days? There. Yes. He's uh, 61. Uh, found guilty on all 10 counts. He will be... Um, uh, appealing, but uh, I wish him luck. At Supermax, he will join a motley crew of characters that includes Ramzi Youssef, mastermind of the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center right. in New York, with which most people ignored. Didn't get much news coverage. So now, all these like criminal heavyweights, and they don't just kind of linger around each other and have like criminal... Davos meetings, do they? They end up being like uh, like in a Batman episode. Right. All of a no. sudden, now... No. Okay. No. Okay. no. There's not a lot of hanging with the fellas okay. at Supermax. So, so El Chapo probably never sees the mastermind of 9-11 who never runs into... Unless he happens to see him passing by. The yeah. Unabomber or whatever. Right. Gotta be, uh, it'd be something to be a guard there, wouldn't it? Also, uh, Jokar Tsarnaev, the Boston Marathon bomber that right. didn't get killed. Scumbag. He's there. Uh, airline shoe bomber Richard Reed. Oh, I still ha- every time I have to take yep. off my shoes. It's because I, of you, uh, you idiot. And he is an idiot too. And, and isn't what that a crazy? Breathing jackass. If he hadn't done that dumb thing that I, didn't work, we would still be wearing our shoes. Perhaps. Ted Kaczynski's in there. You got so-called twentieth hijacker Zacharias Musawi, Adis Mendujanin, the wannabe New York City subway bomber. Oklahoma City bomber Terry Nichols and uh, former New York City mafia crime boss Vincent Vinny Gorgeous Basquiano. A lot of my friends used to call me Joey Gorgeous, but I made him stop. Um, who else is there? Oh, how about, uh, well, here's your natural buddies. He'll probably sidle up to Hector El Guero Palma Salazar, one of the Sinaloa cartel's founders. Plus... Francisco Javier Ariano Felix of the Tijuana Cartel and unpronounceable founder of the Gulf Cartel. 
So no wonder it's called Alcatraz of the Rockies. All the big names are there. 402 inmates total, all fellas. I'm setting up my next movie that I'm pitching to Netflix. Yes, confined to a tiny single-person cell for all but an hour a day. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Senate Leader McConnell's challenge, put your vote where your mouth is on Green New Deals. And it looks like a lot of teens are going around their no-vax parents these days. Coming up, their no-vax parents. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, El Chapo and all those other cretins there in the Supermax, how big is their cell that they're in 23 hours a day? Eight feet. By six inches. (laughs) No, it's it's eight by four or five or six or something like that. So it's like, well, it can't be by four. It's, I know it's eight feet long. Well, yeah, eight feet is probably those two windows. Uh, roughly, yeah. I yeah. don't care. They're scumbags. I don't care if they're miserable, but how is that not cruel punishment? I mean, that's it's very short. It's fairly cruel. Three hours a day in that tiny little space. You're living in a bathroom, um, like the throne room in your house. Um, maybe a little bigger than that. What's the point of if, even... If you have one of those suburban mansions that has an, a, a tiny little room for your turlet. What's the point of even keeping them alive? It's, to house them for the last 30, 40 years of their lives in this tiny little room. Yeah, there's some... Um, there's an account by one inmate who deserves to be there who said, Sitting in a small box in a walking distance of eight feet, this little hole becomes my world, my dining room, reading and writing area, sleeping, walking, urinating, and defecating. I'm virtually living in a bathroom, and this concept has never left my mind in ten years. That's the cell block H, which is mostly terrorist. I oh, wow, there's like a supermax within the supermax, and that's where he lives. I'm not soft on crime and punishment. I just don't know what the goal is there. It's horrific. It's terrible, terrible punishment. <laughs> What's coming up? Oh, and we're in the news. It is time for the news with Marshall Phillips. Put your vote where your mouth is. That's the message from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who is promising to bring the Democrats' Green New Deal to the floor for a vote. Uh, Let me say, first of all, however, I've noted with great interest the Green New Deal. And we're going to be voting on that in the Senate. (laughs) We'll give everybody an opportunity to go on record and uh, see how they feel about the Green uh, New Deal. And then we'll be uh, hanging it around your neck. Well, you know, it's a political ploy, but it, it works on both sides. So all those people that signed on to it and are saying things like, well, you know, and I, I like the intention of it. It's or the spirit of it or whatever. Right, yeah. Okay, well, you don't get you don't get the credit for the aspiration of it. Without having to answer for some of the difficult parts, and McConnell's going to put you in a position where you got to answer for the difficult parts. So, do you believe anybody who's unwilling to work should get a living wage, for instance? Sure. Or do you sure. believe air travel is going to go away in the next three months or whatever it claims? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Green New Deal introduced by Massachusetts Senator Edward Markey and New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, among other things, is calling. I prefer to Noah call her by the name she used before she got into politics. Sandy. Among other things, it calls for the nation to generate 100% of its power from renewable sources within 10 years to help battle climate change and hopes to make air travel unnecessary. 
Now, as for this plan, former Starbucks founder and possible independent candidate for president, Howard Schultz is already on the record ripping the Green New Deal, calling it unrealistic. What I, what I, what, when I read the Green New Deal and I try and understand what they're suggesting, I don't understand how you're going to give a job for everybody, how you're going to give free college to everybody, uh, how you're going to create clean energy throughout the country in every building of the land, and then tally this thing up with $32 trillion on Medicare for all. That's about $40 trillion plus. We are sitting, ladies and gentlemen, with $22 trillion of debt on the balance sheet of America. We're going to tax the rich! And so Mike, We're going to tax the rich! And so Mike Bloomberg said more or less the same thing when he was asked about the Green New Deal. He said, I just, I, I'm just i tired of having these conversations about things that are unworkable and will never happen. Right. Ooh, so I you, want my stuff! Ooh. So you've got two lifelong Democrats who can't run as Democrats, um, which they would have 10 years ago, because the party, I guess, has moved so far to the left that they're running as independents, who right. say, this is crazy talk. Yeah. I think the and, Bloomberg is off the rose. I think it's all about my man Schultz. Yeah, but I think he's running. They're big government, way more distribution than I like. They're Democrats. Right. They're big, that's what they like, but they can't. They have to run as independents, because they're, they're way too... Uh, they're from the realist wing of the party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Meanwhile, the uh, Donald J. Trump laid waste to all of the eminent Republicans who ran last time with a hastily assembled, barely competent campaign. This gives uh, shows you the extent to which everything is just up in the air and crazy in American politics. And, you know, I love it because the two-party uh, monopoly on power and the way they've screwed us and future generations and all is utterly abhorrent. The problem is, and you can ask France about this, sometimes when you have a revolution, things get worse. And uh, where this all ends, well, I, I fear to see it. There's an opinion piece in Bloomberg yesterday that uh, Sean hipped us to uh, about, um, and a lot of it has to do with Twitter, the power that people have, that, that Trump had, that AOC has now yeah. to reach beyond their parties. They don't have to get the consolidation of party, of power of a party anymore. You can just jump straight to the Twitter uh-huh. and if your message catches on. And it's pretty interesting. We'll get into more of that later. And there's certainly positives and negatives yeah. to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a small but increasing number of parents over the past couple of decades have refused to vaccinate their children, concerned that the vaccine could cause things like autism, despite those worries being repeatedly scientifically debunked, there are now some teens of anti-vaxxer parents who are trying on their own to get vaccinated. The wow, teens, you've gotten old enough yeah. that you yeah. realize, uh, I didn't get vaccinations, I think it's a good idea, my parents, for whatever reason... Uh, don't believe in this. Meanwhile, Seattle area is seeing uh, something like a quadrupling yeah. of the rate of vaccination because the measles outbreak. Sorry if I'm stealing your thunder, but yeah. yeah. Well, once reality comes a knocking, people just they don't feel the need to vaccinate because we've vanquished so many of these horrifying diseases that killed so many children and babies. Um, but, you know, it's another example of a comfortable society starting to get weird ideas. Yeah, those teens taken to the Internet and social media, they're researching the vaccine issue on their own. And they're seeing if they're legally able to get vaccinated without their parents' permission. Under U.S. law in most states, somebody has to be at least 18 years old to make their own medical decisions. But 15 states have something called the Mature Minor Doctrine, which allow those decisions to be made without parental consent. You know, I'm pro-vaccinations, but I don't know if I want my kids running around deciding what medical care they get without my approval. 
Wow. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Hey, Dad, I got my appendix removed today. What? You did what? I was tired of it. <laughs> and then I got a tattoo on the way home. <laughs> you, you know, it serves no actual purpose. <laughs> Just hitting you with appendix fun facts. Meanwhile, the world keeps a spinning as we're talking about idiocies like the Green New Deal. And the negotiations with North Korea are about to continue with another summit involving the president and little fathead. Jamie McIntyre, who uh, works for the Washington Examiner covering uh, defense and, and, and national security and that sort of thing, is going to talk about uh, what North Korea is actually up to, how much progress has been made, where do we stand? Is it next week that Trump meets with Kim? It's soon. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm a bit of a nut on this subject, I realize. I read a lot about it. A bit of a nut on a lot of subjects. I'm sorry, is my mic on? Um, Someday, some rogue actor is going to get off an H-bomb. Nobody's ever done that. There were atomic bombs we uh, dropped on Japan. Nobody's ever used an H-bomb. Hydrogen bomb significantly more powerful, multiples more powerful. North Korea very well may have it. And if and if a rogue actor has one and ever uses one, everything is going to change. That will be the what, like we use September 11th as a date. That right. will be the date for the planet forever, like when the dinosaurs disappeared. Right. I would agree. And North Korea may have one, and we got to figure out how to deal with that. And avoiding nuclear holocaust is not a partisan issue. We want to know what's actually happening. What is the view uh, on the ground in the Korean Peninsula as the president and Kim Jong-un get set to talk again and to uh, answer those questions and get an idea of, of, of the atmosphere? We've invited Jamie McIntyre on. Jamie's a senior writer covering defense and national security for the Washington Examiner and uh, a longtime observer of uh, military matters. His newsletter, Jamie McIntyre's Daily and Defense, is excellent. Jamie, how are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. So, listen, uh, interesting quote from the U.S. commander there who's in charge of uh, North Korean operations. Do you want to uh, start there? Well, so uh, the new, the new uh, U.S. United Nations and Combined Forces Commander, because the uh, the general over there actually commands three different uh, commands, was testifying before the Senate yesterday, and uh, his name is Robert Abrams. That name may sound familiar. Yes, he's the son of Creighton Abrams, uh, for whom the Abrams tank was named after. Oh, there you go. Anyway, he's the new he's the new Korea commander. He's only been there ninety days, and uh, he was testifying and. He said a couple of interesting things. One thing he said was, because of the talks between uh, President Trump and Kim Jong-un, there is, what he said, a palpable reduction of tensions on the uh, Korean Peninsula. You know, he said it was, as of yesterday, it was 440 days since North Korea had conducted any, what he called, strategic provocations, that is, a missile launch or a nuclear test. And so people are breathing a little bit easier there. But then when he was pressed, um, by New York Senator Richard Blumenthal about whether North Korea had taken any actions to actually 
fulfill its pledge to, to get rid of its nuclear arsenal, any, any tiny baby steps, uh, he had to say, no, there's no evidence of that uh, at the moment. And so this all comes as President Trump is getting ready for his second summit with Kim Jong-un uh, in Hanoi, Vietnam. And, uh, and I have to tell you that the, the consensus in the U.S. intelligence community is that North Korea is probably never going to give up its nuclear arsenal. We're going to have to figure out a way uh, to deal with that. But uh, the official you know, word from the State Department, which is leading the talks, is that, you know, it's worth a shot, that Kim Jong-un has said he'll do it, we're going to try to hold him to it. Right, I understand that. I I don't mean this to be critical of the president, because I'm not sure what other way you should go about it. If this fails, I don't think it's the fault of Trump to try talking to him, but... My concern all along has been is they're just they're just buying time until they do either get or perfect their hydrogen bomb or make it small enough that it fits on the right missile or they make their missile good enough or whatever. And then they're going to demonstrate to the world, look, we have an H-bomb. We can put it on this missile that can reach anywhere. Now you're going to listen to us. That's my concern. Well, the way that we deal with nuclear weapons is we try to deter them, right? We, you know, that was the whole, that's the so supposedly the best use of nuclear weapons is to make sure that they're never used because the consequences would be so terrible. And, you know, all of the, the consensus of the U.S. intelligence community is that uh, uh, Kim Jong-un is not irrational, that the reason he wants nuclear weapons is he believes that's the only way he can ensure his regime will not be overthrown eventually by the United States, uh, and that uh, if he doesn't give up his nuclear weapons, uh, the, the way we're going to have to deal with it is the way we deal with everybody else's nuclear weapons, which is uh, to make sure that they're not used. And, uh, again, the intelligence community is pretty much uh, of the opinion that Kim Jong-un would, would, is not likely to ever use these nuclear weapons because it would mean the destruction of his country. Right. I mean, obviously, if a, if a hydrogen bomb... Uh, went off anywhere where, you know, it, whether it was Japan or South Korea or the United States or Guam or wherever it went off, uh, that would be the immediate destruction of, of uh, North Korea. I mean, uh, yes, North Korea. Do you so, think they have a hydrogen bomb? Well, you know, they've tested, he's tested some underground devices. It, he's def- they definitely tried to, to test a hydrogen bomb, and... How successful it was, it, there's a debate going on about that. The, you know, the, the hydrogen bomb uses a, a um, I'm going to get this backwards now, but it uses a fission uh, reaction to then cause a fusion reaction. A smaller nuclear device goes off and sets off a chain reaction, and then you get the thermonuclear explosion. So it is much more powerful. But, you know, a nuke is a nuke. Right. You know, one nuke can ruin your whole day. Right. Agreed. Jamie McIntyre, a senior writer covering defense and national security for the Washington Examiner. Jamie, we'll look forward to uh, chatting after the summit and, and, and see how seriously we take whatever develops. Give me a call. It'd be our pleasure. Thanks, Jamie McIntyre. Well, you sure got to hope the intelligence community is right that he is a rational actor and I, I not think, suicidal. Yeah. I think he's absolutely I think a he probably. Actor. I think he probably yeah. is, too. But it's just the luck of whether or not he is crazy or goes crazy. One guy having an H-bomb could affect world history in, in a way that's, I mean, well, like I said, it would be the biggest thing that has ever happened in the history of mankind, if anybody ever sets one off. I could easily spin out a scenario where he decides, 
for whatever reason, maybe to stave off an invasion or to hold on to his power or, or he goes paranoid and goes nuts, that he, he ought to nuke, say, our, our base in Guam. It's a good example. Um, and, you know, our reaction, my reaction, everybody listens reaction was, oh, okay, well, then we'd wipe North Korea off the map. Of course, you know, immediately you would have serious environmental concerns. All that radiation unleashed. All that loss of innocent human life. Those people don't vote in North Korea. They didn't have that coming. So China immediately jumps up and says, whoa, hey, oh, hey, hang on. We will broker something to get rid of him. We blah, blah, blah. And then they drag their feet. I can game out pretty easily a scenario where he nukes somebody and doesn't get wiped off the map. That's the scenario that, that gets me a little edgy. Because there are plenty of reasons not to retaliate. There are plenty of reasons to retaliate. Right. But in, in and a there are else? a number of great books that have been written about that from On Thermonuclear War, which was written in the 50s by a guy named, I think, Khan. I read that during our Christmas break. Khan! which is still an amazing book. It lays out the original rationale for... Uh, for mad, is that what mutually it's assured yeah, destruction, mutually, yeah. mutually assured destruction, which is kept the genie in the bottle for sixty years. Nobody thought it would last this long, but at some point, it ain't going to work. The the we're, we're okay, I think, as long as a crazy person doesn't get it, or a Muslim fundamentalist, right? Because they have proven whether blowing themselves up in a subway or flying a building, a plane into a building, they don't care if they die. Nope. They believe it's okay for the world. Mm-hmm. So get yeah, the meet all up at the Allah's side with all our virgins. Yeah, so that's, 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 mad doesn't work on them. That's why they try to stop the spread of arms, Jack, a term uh, known as the spreading of arms to different people. And different people get arms. Come on, Al, it's like hearing you say this. What's that? Proliferation. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to say that. Try to say that. Oh, man. So, listen, I've been so saying So we're going to let that crazy, crazy weirdo have an H-bomb. Well, he's and not a, crazy. And a rocket that can... He's pretty crazy. He might it's not be... I'd like he's crazy. I tell you, he was at my party and he's just crazy. So I guess you, you're making rational versus crazy. Yes. Rational in that he doesn't want to die. He's, it's pretty crazy to be willing to starve tens of millions of people. So that you can be a fat guy who drinks and watches porn like his dad. That's a pretty crazy way to live your life. Right. Poison your brother. Machine gun dissidents. Mm-hmm. Sounds like holding on to That's power to me. pretty crazy behavior. Sounds like holding on to power. It's it's abhorrent. It's disgusting. But it's perfectly rational. And you just got to hope that at no point he goes round the bend with that, uh, with that nuke. And then when he dies, the next person in line is going to have the, the access to that weapon. Yeah. Whoever that is. You know, listen, here's here's why I'm shouting that he's rational and the rest of it. Uh, and, you know, if you ever, maybe I ought to do a podcast so I could spout all this boring stuff to those who want to hear it, those few. Study the history of totalitarian regimes that have attempted to liberalize. It's really, really interesting. It says so much about human nature that... As soon as you give people a whiff of freedom, generally speaking, and a great counter-argument to this is China, that are brilliant at oppressing people. They're the best oppressors that perhaps have ever lived on Earth. But China! Um, the minute you give people a whiff of freedom, they don't say, oh, thank you, a wise one, thank you. No, they realize, we've been getting screwed all along. This, this guy, these people... They've been ruining lives for dirty... They, they, they use their freedom to kill you, generally speaking. So, 
If I'm fathead, I'm thinking, hey, it's lasted three generations. I'm going with Daddy's playbook. Worked pretty well. The H-bomb is going to belong to somebody. Whether him or the generals or his kid. Or How about somebody? him selling it for cash? Oh, geez. Then you got a real problem. Sure. Somebody offers him five billion bucks for it. And those somebodies are Muslim fundamentalists. Fundamentalists. All right. No. Ugh. Ugly. Ugly. Eh, uh-huh. yeah, Trump will win him over. Art of the deal. Right. Trump will bring that new comb in a suitcase. He'll probably give him a free membership at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> right. He'll Every- bring the H-bomb home in a suitcase. Everything will be fine. Look, I got it right here. Stand down, everybody. <laughs> All is well. The Art of the Deal. You're listening to The Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash Parity Flex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.